Hi, welcome to episode 511 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott, and when I die, I want my body to be mummified. Is that even an option anymore? Today is Fantastic Four 511 from May 2004. Hereafter, part 3 by Mark Wade and Mike Weringo. And so Ben Grimm, the Thing, is dead. And his teammates from the Fantastic Four use one of Doctor Doom's machines to travel to the afterlife, to heaven itself, to rescue Ben and bring him back. They arrive and find Ben, along with his brother Dan, standing outside the main gate to heaven, where they've learned that Ben is locked out. Maybe heaven has one of those hotel-type keys with a magnetic strip, and Ben just needs to go back to the uh, front desk and have St. Peter remagnetize it. They tell Reed to have a look at the door, at the technology used within the door, and Reed recognizes the technology as his. Maybe it's the same technology used on the door to the negative zone, and if that's the case, they should be able to open it up pretty easily. Johnny and Sue don't know what's going on, but Ben says that Reed has figured it out. Reed, by the way, still has that scarred up face from the encounter with Doctor Doom back in issue 500. That will come into play later, so I should mention it now. Dan points out that Reed is responsible for locking Ben out of heaven. Ben goes on to explain that the spark of life left in Ben isn't there naturally. It's there because Reed and his attempts to keep Ben alive. That's why Ben is locked out of heaven, because Reed has Ben's body back at FF headquarters, hooked up to a bunch of contraptions, keeping a tiny portion of life left in the body. He asked Reed to go home and set his body free so that his soul can enter heaven. He takes a moment to say goodbye to Reed and Sue, and then he says he's going to tell Johnny how all them naked pictures of him got put up on the web. If you've posted nude photos of your best friend on the internet, is that something you should mention when you're standing outside the gates of heaven waiting to get in? Johnny gets hot under the collar, literally, as he flames on and, ta and attacks Ben, not for the comment about he made about the nude photos, but because he thinks that Ben is an imposter for rolling over and playing dead. Well, rolling over and being dead without putting up a fight. Ben and Reed say there's nothing they can do about it. During the little struggle to hold back Johnny, the ground breaks apart a little bit under their feet. Reed, crying, screams out to Sue, telling her that he thinks the reason Johnny left the team is because he's afraid that Reed will shoot him and kill him too, like he did with Ben. How could anyone live like that? He cries out as the ground continues to crumble around them. Ben tells Dan to calm, calm down the quakes. But Dan says it isn't him. It's all the rage and emotions that's tearing this place apart. So you're not allowed to have rage and shit fits when you're in heaven? Such a boring place. So as the ground falls apart, Ben rushes back to the door, saying they have to get inside, pronto. I guess if you're in heaven, you don't want to find out what happens when you land if you fall to the ground. Ben goes over there and he starts pulling apart the door, but he finds a big wall of orange rocks is on the other side, keeping them from getting in. The sky starts to get dark. Sue is keeping herself and Johnny safe with a force field. Ben runs over to find Reed, who's sitting in a hole in the ground, crying. He screams out to Reed that maybe all of this is based on the force of will, and that he's locked out of heaven by himself, by believing that the problem was Reed holding him back. I guess that theory is similar to the theory that the Thing couldn't turn back into his human self for years 
subconsciously fearing that Alicia Masters wouldn't like him as a human. I guess the moral of this story is that as long as you believe in yourself, you can do anything. Of course, we all know that's bullshit. If you've ever seen any of the talent show competitions on TV, lots of people believe in themselves, and they still suck. Ben tells Reed he's got to get over his grief, let the bad times go. He offers to take Reed by the hand, saying, I'm not leaving you, Reed. I'm never leaving you. And then, Reed grabs his hand, lifting up, lifting him up out of the hole. The sky clears up, and the ground stop, stops shaking. Reed says, What kind of friend would ask you to give up heaven? Ben replies that he needs him back on Earth to keep the FF together. So it seems like they're all ready to head home. But first, Reed wants to have one more look at that door. Johnny says he better stay away from that door. But keeping Reed away from something like that is like asking Anna Nicole Smith to step away from the ring dings. Or the sleeping pills. Dan steps forward and says he has a proposal. He has an invitation to the four of them from the man in charge himself. And I don't think he's talking about Donald Trump. The offer is, they can stay, stay forever with the Maker in eternal bliss, existing in the province of ultimate knowledge forever. But Reed declines. I guess Dan should have sweetened the pot with a bunch of virgins. That usually seems to work. Dan says, good answer. And the door opens up behind him. He says, enjoy your visit. You passed the test. So the Fantastic Four have been given an all-expenses-paid trip to the ultimate vacation destination. Heaven, courtesy of God, and Travelocity, but mostly God. Dan says goodbye to Ben and the Fantastic Four, and they step forward into the light. And that brings us to the most bizarre seven pages in the entire 54-year history of the Fantastic Four, as the FF travel through this weird vortex of space and time, and they land on this little chunk of rock floating in the void of space with a door on it. Sue says, Am I the only one who's the least bit nervous? I mean, God's on the other side, right? Do we knock? Reed says they were invited. They should just take the plunge. And he opens the door. So they open the door and they walk into this office. Outside the windows, it looks like a sunny day. There's palm trees and a swimming pool. It looks like they're in Southern California. And sitting at the at an artist table, drawing, is God. And God looks like Jack Kirby, of course. Anyone see that coming? Johnny asks. No. no! They all reply. Johnny asks where the elves are. And Ben has to remind Johnny, that's Santa. Ben says the room doesn't exactly fill him with awe and majesty. Sue notes that she seems taller than God. And God Kirby replies, What you see is what I am to you. Don't worry, it's a compliment, not an insult. That's what my creations do. They find the humanity in God. I don't know why God looks like Jack Kirby to them. In the Marvel Universe, he was just one of many guys who turned the FF's real adventures into a comic book. He didn't create the FF. God's phone rings, much to the surprise of the team. Johnny wonders what his phone number is. One? On the phone, God Kirby is talking about some adventures in the Forbidden City with the Black Panther and the Silver Surfer. Oh, by the way, I saw the movie Captain America Civil War yesterday. I thought Black Panther was awesome. 
After all these years, it's good to see a character from the Fantastic Four comic get treated right on the big screen. So anyway, Kirby God gets off the phone, and the team asks him who that was. And he only replies, My collaborator, enough said. They have a look at Kirby God's table, and he's drawing some characters like Sue, Johnny, Spider-Man, and Galactus. And on one page, he's drawing this big alien city. Think about your world, he says. It all starts with words and pictures. The ordinary and the cosmic. That's what set the stage. The play is your lives. Your adventures become our explorations. My window into tomorrow. It sounds like God has a very adequate supply of the ganja. In a blink of an eye, the FF, along with Kirby God and his drawing table, appear in the futuristic city he was just drawing. How far out is the world that's coming? What is it? Where is it going? How will it evolve? The mystery intrigues me, he says. He holds up a pencil and says, I find it hard to believe that the wellspring of all reality is a yellow stick. And he says the beauty of the pencils is that they have erasers. And he holds it up to Reed's scarred up face. And he starts erasing the scars, turning back his face into normal. Now that is a Dostex Machina ending if I ever saw one. Johnny asks, are you imagining us, or are we imagining you? Kirby God replies, You're no one's puppets, if that's what you're getting at. Nobody can do your living for you. No one can do your dying for you. We're all our own storytellers. I guess that solves the big philosophical debate of predestination versus free will, directly from the mouth of God. Kirby God starts drawing on the air around Ben, drawing big orange rocks on Ben's body, turning him back into the thing, much to his chagrin. Kirby God reminds him that he's just going to wake up in his real rock monster body back in Reed's tank anyway. He says Dr. Doom's gadget that brought them there isn't going to work again, so he's going to take care of it. He has some final words for Reed, telling him, You know, never stop asking why. That was the test. Reed thanks him, and Kirby God draws something and hands it to Reed as they fade away, and they appear back at the Baxter building. Ben doesn't appear in that tank, by the way, even though God just said he would. Everyone wants to look at the drawing that Kirby God handed Reed before they left heaven. Johnny asks, What did he give us? A happy ending, Reed replies. And it's a drawing of the Fantastic Four, as though they've aged 20 or 30 years, and he's captioned it to be continued. And that is the end of Hereafter. Ben's back to life. Reed's face is no longer messed up. Franklin, well, he's probably screwed up in the head still, but God didn't have time to take care of that. Overall, I enjoyed this three-part story a great deal. I like the FF the most when they're exploring strange new places and new dimensions, and heaven definitely qualifies. In comic books, there's been a lot of different ways that characters have been brought back to life, but actually going to heaven and bringing back the dead person's soul, uh, this must be a first. The last year or so of the book has been a little on the grim and dark side, so this three-parter has been a nice change of pace. The last seven pages of this issue, where they meet Kirby God, is easily the most meta moment in the entire history of the book. And as I said, it's a real Dos Ex Machina ending. God does show up and he solves everyone's problems. And bringing Ben back to life, I understand. But the bit where God erases the scars on Reed's face, how weird is that? Normally I prefer that Reed come up with some kind of scientific way to fix his own face. But I guess it kind of works. I mean, why not? It is heaven, after all. And the bit at the end where God hands them a picture of themselves as older people and says, 
they've been giving they've been given a happy ending. I must admit, that made me a little emotional. I love comics, but they rarely have emotional moments, and this ending it kind of got to me. I, I feel like this could be a great final issue of the Fantastic Four. If I stopped here and never read another issue, I'd be happy. And frankly, considering the issues that come after this, I probably should have stopped here. But I'm going to keep going. There's still more Wade Waringo issues to go, and 11 more years in total. If you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. You can download other episodes of iTunes or find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over. I can do is to just let her, let her go, I know.